everybody. Welcome back to the Ones Ready Podcast. We've got another treat for you today. Uh, in fact, this one, I'm going to go ahead and call it. This is going to do very, very well on YouTube and uh, and on the audio platform because we haven't had a guest like you before, um, hence why we are blocking you, out, blocking you out and we are not going to mention your name. But um, you may or may not be in the pipeline or may or may not have recently graduated pipeline. So you have firsthand knowledge of, of pipeline stuff and the fact that you are prior service as well within the air force. So, um, I don't just, so I don't say your name. I'm just going to say, Hey, welcome to the, <laughs> welcome to the ones ready podcast. We're happy to have you. <laughs> Appreciate that. Thanks for having me on. So, um, since I kind of alluded to it already, uh, you said that you were, prior service. Um, what did you do before you trend before you decided to become a aspect war? I, uh, <laughs> I, for everybody out there, I like, I'm just, I was just trying to like keep his identity, you know, secret. Cause I, last thing I want is for you to get smoked. Like, Oh, Oh, oh really? You would, yeah. <laughs> you talking to ones ready. Huh? Yeah. Oh, Oh, how about that? Hate yeah. those guys. <laughs> no, I, I can handle that. That'd be fun. Uh, <laughs> no, so I was a SEER specialist before I, I cross-trained over to Aspect War. How long did you do that for? Uh, I was in that career field for about four and a half years. Okay. Yeah. Nice. All right. Well, Fairchild's not a bad place to be, and SEER is a, uh, is a fun job from what I've told oh, yeah. I mean, especially if you like being outdoors. Yeah, I mean, as a A1C and senior airman, there was really, for me, no better place to be. You know, getting to go out to the field for a week every month with all your boys and, you know, it was just fun. Like, looking back on it, it's some of the best memories. Yeah, and it's beautiful up there. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're, yeah. you really you really are just going, I mean, you're instructing, but at the same time, you're just going camping for oh. a week at a time up in yeah, Washington. Once you, yeah, once you get past all the BS of the pipeline and being a new guy. And you're just a certified pack carrier and you have all your food and your warmies. It's, I mean, you're staying in like a nice shelter out there and you got your coffee in the morning. You're walking into your camp and the students are all boo-boo faced because they've been sleeping in the cold, rainy snow. And it's great. I loved it. You showed up with a nice hot <laughs> cup of joe and you're just, you're good to go. Yeah. Ready for another day of training. Yeah. So what was that like for the, the cross training process? Because I know some folks can get, it, it's a lengthy or can be a lengthy process. Um, just because, you know, dealing with all the paperwork, waiting for your window to open up. Um, you know, there's a lot of little gotchas within cross training, but it's, it's still very doable, but you got to understand, like people have got to understand that it is not a, um, you know, I apply for it and then a month later I'm going in. So what was that process oh, like for, for you? Sure. Yeah, I mean, it was a long process all the way from the idea of, hey, this is kind of what I want to do and training for it. Um, and then finally, once I was ready to pull the trigger, I so transitioning from being an NCO to an officer was a little bit than just cross training from as a, you know, enlisted to enlisted. And so on the officer side, I almost feel like it was a little bit easier because you just at the time they just had the phase two process, phase one and phase two. Um, so they had the windows of, you know, your application dates. Um, so, you know, like midsummer and then you put in your application and then you go to the fall phase two course. And, um, you know, it's pretty cut and dry. I know on the enlisted side, there is that cross training window you got to wait till. And it seemed at the time, I, it's all probably changed since I was even looking into it, but it seemed like you had to wait till a certain number of years in the air force, but. I've also know that since aspect war is so undermanned, they're, they're taking pretty much anybody at any time, but I'm not in recruiting or any, any of that. So I don't know. But, um, for me, you know, it was, uh, it was a pretty lengthy phase one application. Um, and you know, at, we had a JMAC up there at Fairchild at the time. Oh boy. And so he was, <laughs> he definitely gave me some good help. Uh, and then, yeah, then we had the phase two actual uh, selection portion that was, you know, a week long down at Herbert Field. Um, and then once I got picked up from there, I then had to do the whole process for OTS, which was a total, like they don't, Aspect War and Officer Training School don't have anything 
to, you know, to do with each other. So I had to put in my own application for OTS and, and go through that whole process and wait to get a slot for that school just to get started with the pipeline. Mm. So, I mean, so that was a, what would you say that was like a nine month? If I'm looking, if I'm kind of doing the math overall, let's see if it, it started out, um, mid summer. Uh, so yeah, I'd say like seven, eight months before from application phase one, all the way to going to OTS. Were, were you in pipeline shape when, you know, before you, um, you know, hit submit, you know, Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because that, I think you have like a month and a half or two months between the phase one and phase two. And when you put in that phase one application, you've got to, at the time we had to have those, um, you know, they had the PT test with like a three mile run and all Mm -hmm. that. So you had to, you had to have your numbers for that. And you wanted to be competitive with that so that, you know, you have a better chance of getting selected just to go to phase two. So I, I was definitely waiting to be in pipeline shape before I even started the process. Okay. Yeah. Well, plus you don't know how long you're going to be waiting either. I mean, yeah, you kind of know the dates for phase one, phase two, but you're, and, and we say the same thing to other cross trainees is how do I make my application stand out? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's really okay. If, if all things are equal, you know, all EPRs, OPRs are equal, your surf is equal, which I know folks out there that aren't in the air force don't know what a surf is, but it's no. essentially your, your military history all wrapped up into one summary. Um, so yeah, I don't know what surf stands for, but uh, do I. Um, yeah, I don't think anybody does. No, but um, you know, and then so you also go, you're going to have you know your IFT scores and stuff like that. So yeah. you know, if you can have the the best IFT scores you possibly can get, it just helps, or at least if they're stronger than the other candidates. Now that doesn't. Now I'm saying that right, but you, but people are going to go okay. Well, I I shouldn't apply until I have you know, graduate graduation standards. Yep. Mm-hmm. Don't wait. Like just make sure that you're able to crush the IFT Yeah, and and then apply. Like if you wait till graduation standards, you're going to be waiting forever. I, I can tell you, I probably wasn't even hitting graduation standards before I went. Cause I mean, it just takes a long time to get to that point. And it's such a specific thing that you're training for that you may not even see in the selection course. You know, like, okay, sweet. You can run six miles at a sub seven pace. Well, can you, you know, farmers carry a hundred pounds in each hand, you know, for a certain distance, like there's things that, you know, you don't need to be so focused, laser fixated on hitting those grad standards because eventually if you train up well enough, your body's going to do it in the moment. Well, that, and, you know, in the, in the pipeline and stuff like your job, other than being at school is to work out. That's, oh, yeah. that's what your job is. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Actually. We think it's about really it. Not bad. <laughs> it's funny when people ask, what do you do? And you're like, um, I, I work out and, uh, yeah, it's usually about And I work out, <laughs> about I work it. out a lot. Yeah. Uh, did, um, so did you have to deal with any kind of injuries or anything, any kind of setbacks? Um, yeah, I did. I definitely, uh, it was funny. I all throughout my seer uh, career, you know, whatever little stint that I had there, never had a single injury. Nothing bad happened. And then as soon as I I joined the uh, Aspect War Pipeline, it was <laughs> one thing Game after on. another. Like everything caught up to me. Um, yeah, I had some crazy things happen. I, uh, you know, first time I went to ANS, I had a corneal abrasion on day one. Really, uh, my whole cornea scraped off. It was it was a we were doing something in the mud pit and you know, it's cringy to think about, but yeah, I got, got out of the mud pit and I was like, man, there's something in my eye. And I just, I couldn't, couldn't flush it out. Couldn't get it out. And I, I was asking my buddies and they're like, I don't see anything. And so of course I, you know, I go up to the cadre and I'm like, Hey, can I see the medic? And these are all PJs. So they're like, Oh, let me, let me see. You know, and oh, they, yeah, of course. They, you know, they've got their, they've got their iPhones out with their flashlights looking in my eye and they're like, Oh, it looks like you got like plastic hanging there. Looks like a contact. Well, turns out it was my cornea. So, oh. um, yeah, they, you know, they pulled me, needless to say. Um, 
got that taken care of. Thankfully, your eyes heal real fast, so that was only a few days. Um, no, no in- vision loss or anything like that. Um, then, yeah, I went back uh, a little while later, and I got rhabdo, uh, which was, yeah, again, very terrible, terrible thing to have. <laughs> yeah, you know, got it several days in the course, and I'm slowly dying. Uh, and that was probably the lowest I've ever been in my life, for sure. I've, if you haven't had rhabdo, I would not recommend it. <laughs> is it that? Is it that bad? It it's just it's super bad because like you're not used to that sort of, you're not used to your body doing that. It's not like an injury where you, you fall and you hurt yourself. You're like, Oh, I, I definitely got injured. It's a slow thing. It's like, are you go from not being able to keep down food to not, you know, it, like your body just slowly starts breaking down. And I got to the point where I couldn't hold down liquid. And that's, that's when I was, you know, I, I had to make the call. I was like, Hey, this isn't, I'm not doing good. As soon as the cadre saw it and talked to him, they were, they were totally cool about it, you know, because they they definitely care about heat related injuries, and you know, so they were like, "Hey, we need to we need to just get you to a hospital." And so, yeah, that was, you know, dealt with that. I had another back injury that kind of was along the same lines and herniated discs from my time at Sear, and that finally caught up to me. Um, and so I was I sat on the bench for a while waiting for that to heal up, and then finally was able to get back into it. So definitely had some setbacks. It's not as a, a traditional pipeline experience there initially. Yeah. That's the, that's unfortunate, but you're where you're at now, but yeah. it definitely yeah. extended your timeline for sure. Oh yeah. What's uh like what, what movement or what, what were you doing uh, when you got wrapped or was it just everything kind of built up? You know, I, it was everything kind of built up. I know the one thing that I know set it off is, uh, I was eating MREs at one point and I just got sick out of nowhere. Um, you know, it was in the morning, I was eating my MRE, got sick for some reason. And, um, and that like set on this chain of events where I just couldn't hold down food. So, you know, your stomach gets all like turned up and you just, I couldn't hold down food. And then, so my body wasn't getting what it needed. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're drinking as much as possibly can, trying to nibble on things throughout the day. And so, I mean, it was, august in texas so you know just super hot my body wasn't ready for it wasn't able to hold down food and it just you know one thing led to another then eventually i had it peed in an entire day and i was like this is not good (laughs) this is not good um but you just gotta listen to your body i mean because it cadre they i mean they would have pulled me at some point but i was the one that had to say like hey something and my buddies all came up to me there and they had like a little come to Jesus meeting with me. They're like, Hey man, you're not doing good. I'm like, I think I could still go. I think I'm okay. And they're like, no, man, you really need to think about your health. I'm like, Oh God, this isn't good. Why are you so attacking me? When all three of them came up to me individually to have that discussion, I was like, Oh no, <laughs> writing's on the wall. Oh man. Yeah. The, um, what, you, you kind of alluded to it a little bit, but the, the medical oversight that uh, at least that portion of the pipeline, you know, prep or SWIC, ANS, like there's, and when I come out, when I came out to visit, like there was, there were so many cadre members out there, whether it's active duty or civilians, contractors, whatever, like there was so much oversight. Um, and there were way more cadre members, at least when I showed up, it, it seemed like there were way more cadre members than actual candidates, um, which, so how was the medical oversight and just the oversight in general from the cadre? Um, it's, yeah, like it's pretty well done to the point where you don't really have to worry about anything. You know, you, it's, it's almost like you're getting on a ride and you just got to hold on for the entire time because everything is done for you. They're telling you what to do. They're, they're monitoring how much weight you're losing. They're keeping track of, oh, you know, as long as you don't lose more than this percentage of body weight, we're not really going to worry. And they're, you know, they're getting you what you need at the right time. It may not be what you want. It's definitely not what you want. You know, you may get, you know, little things here and there that make your day a little bit better, but um, they've got, you know, they're monitoring you all day. They're um, checking out, you know, you, they're doing urine samples, all sorts of things to, to ensure that you're not dying 
that you're at least going through the course, you know, with a relative level of health. It's not, you know, definitely not pretty. It's not comfortable, but they're there to make sure that you're not going to die. Yeah. <laughs> except, except the part where you said, where you don't, you just got to hang on and, and not really do anything there. You got to do a lot. Yeah, you There's do a lot, lot of things that you got to do. <laughs> yeah. You don't, you don't have to do any kind of logistics or coordination or anything no. like that, but you're going to be doing some stuff oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. You got to put out, but you don't have to worry about anything. As long as you're just doing exactly what they tell you, when they tell you to do it, you're good. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. So, um, all right. Well, Moving on to ANS, and and again, uh, like I kind of mentioned previously, I want to maintain the integrity um, and the kind of veil of secrecy behind a lot of the stuff that goes on at ANS. But if you had to kind of pinpoint one thing at ANS that was that you were like, dude, this was my my thing that was just so difficult for me that I felt was the was the most difficult for me in particular. What would that be? Um, see, I would say there was one day, and I won't give away anything, but there was one day where um, we had a movement that we had to do, and it was late in the day after after an entire day of, of rucking and events and swimming, all this stuff. And we had this one movement that was a team movement with uh, extremely heavy weight, and it was an event that if not everybody was, if everyone wasn't putting out a hundred percent, then you were not, you're not moving as a team. And we had some guys on the team that were just on the struggle bus and weren't willing mm. to push. And it, I, I think that at that point, that's when like, I started getting like the cold sweats, you know, like just, this is bad, you know, and you're just carrying so much weight trying to move. Cause you know, you know where your end point is and you know, it's going to be a way to get there. And, and so I, I just, I don't want to give anything away, but there was that, that was, it was a heavy carry movement. That was pretty bad. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you, you don't just do that kind of stuff at ANS. Um, there, there will be for the folks listen, there'll be other times in the pipeline that you're going to end up doing that too. And those, those kind of events are the ones that I, I hated, or at least it wasn't the most physically taxing for me, but it was most, the most kind of mentally taxing, yeah. taxing for me because a lot of times those are, um, either overhead, you know, carries or they are, you know, carrying at the waist because maybe it's litter height, but mm -hmm. whether it's overhead or whether it's carrying at the litter, like as me being a shorter person, it's, it's one of two things. Either mm -hmm. I have more weight than most because of where I happen to be on there, or if I'm in the middle, I'm not doing anything. So, you know, physically it's either really, really easy or really, really difficult, but it's mainly the mental thing. Cause I know my buddies are taking the brunt of everything and I'm just sitting here kind of like, yeah, that this sucks guys. You guys are doing great. You know? It's, uh, yeah. 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 And the, the, I think one of the worst parts about it is everyone tries to think about the easiest way to do something because you want to make it as simple as possible. And really the answer is you just got to get it up there and carry it, but nobody wants to accept that reality. And <laughs> slowly in that one event, it just was funny because looking back on it, you could see everyone just comes to terms with the reality of the situation. They're like, I it guess just die inside. Spent, you know, we spent 15 minutes at the beginning trying to figure out how to hold this in the most comfortable way. And then everyone slowly realizes the only way to do it, is to get it up over our rucks and we're just carrying this thing. <laughs> yeah. That's it. The only, yeah, you, you can plate it and then you can do, and then it's over. Yeah. And that's the quickest way and the easiest way. Uh -huh. Just get it done. It, yep. <laughs> sucks for everyone. Oh, no, you're yeah. so right. So, um, how did you prepare? How did you go about preparing for the pipeline? Cause I know that being seer, you know, you're already very active as it is. I mean, you're, you're like a billy goat humping up and down mountains and stuff like yeah. that. But, um, like how else did you prepare? Um, you know, water, the water was a huge thing. Um, you know, cause in seer, we don't have any real water con or anything like that. So that was an area that I knew I would struggle in. So I dedicated a lot, a lot of time to training for that. Um, and then, you know, aside from that, I really worked on my uh, endurance cardio 
just kind of zone two, you know, just going for a long time. Um, not necessarily working on being super fast or anything like that, but just at a maintainable speed for a good distance, you know? And, and so, yeah, the running, the water con, and then in my normal lifting preparation, it was a lot of, um, sandbag stuff, you know, not necessarily just deadlift bench squat. It was, you know, more abnormal movements, odd carries, farmers carries, stuff like that. Hmm. Okay. Like, uh, not, not necessarily general preparedness, but you were, you were definitely targeting a certain, you know, you were definitely targeting the pipeline, Mm -hmm. but you still had, you didn't just go, okay, I'm just rucking, running and swimming. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot because I knew like with the calisthenics and the strength endurance and stuff like that, I knew there were definitely things I should be focusing on with that. Did you, in the pipeline, did you notice folks that hadn't prepared? Um, and, and if they didn't, what areas were they unprepared in? Like, did anybody show up to the pool and be like, dude, I don't even know how to swim. What am I doing here? Oh yeah, for sure. You know, we had, (laughs) um, I, I will say there's a, there's a huge difference uh, because officers don't go through SWIC, right? They just show up. If they're wanting to go to ANS, they just, they're wanting to cross train, they show up and they just go right into it. Whereas all the guys that go through SWIC, they know, you know, they, they've been doing this for a while. So all those guys were pretty much studs when they, you know, when they, when we started ANS. Um, but we did have, I remember one individual who, uh, after the first day in the pool, like he was, he was on a struggle bus and you, we all knew, but after that first pool session, he was like, dude, I have never done a mask and snorkel in my life. (laughs) And we're like, what, you know, what in the world are you training for? It's like, all I was doing was just endurance swimming. You know, he he legitimately thought that our swimming sessions were just 500 meter swims or something crazy like that. You know, and like, have you never watched an indoc video or anything? <laughs> you got to go underwater and get that mask. Like that's a that's like basic. What do you mean I got to go underwater? Yeah. Like the Needless to Jeez. say, it didn't last very long. So, yeah, that's rough, Man. and that's that's a trainable thing too. That's that's pretty easy. You can figure that out. It is, but I mean, you got to have. I guess you got to have the knowledge and do some research. Yeah. But, I mean, they go in kind of essentially blind like that. That's, um, I mean, I, I, that's, so that's kind of the way it was, um, back in the older pipeline. Like mm-hmm. when I went through, it was, um, you know, 120, 130 people show up for indoc out of, right out of basic training. There was no development. There was no anything like that. Same basic training flights or squadrons, whatever. And then like day one, it's you're in the pool. And all 130 of you or whatever is, is in there and people just start popping. Oh yeah. Right. And then actually maybe the first event was a pass test, but, but anyway, so people quitting during a pass test and then, yeah, anyway, but it was a survive uh-huh. thing. So if you didn't already, there was no, we're going to train you to do this. You had to show up and either have an idea of how to do it or survive. Yeah. I mean, it was, which is why our attrition rate at the time was so bad. And our attrition rate is, okay, so going to that, doing that math, our attrition rate is actually still the same. It hasn't changed. Uh-huh. Um, it's just that now we are having a, a since the pipeline swapped around, we're actually having a better graduation rate. Um, okay. Since yeah. we're kind of front-loading stuff, it's yeah. it's weird, and, and everybody's going to start asking questions about that, and I'm not smart enough to answer them, but I just know that the graduation rate hasn't necessarily changed. It's just that we're ending with a better product. Yeah. So, um, going into a little bit of uh, more of a, a personal life, when you went to the pipeline or when you decided to, to make the transition, um, were you or are you married and have a family and stuff like that? So, um, I'm married. Um, and at the time I didn't have any kids. Um, and that was a, you know, thinking back to when I was talking about phase one and the right time to do it, like that was a huge consideration was, is this even something that we're willing to do? And if, if, you know, my wife wasn't bought in on it, it would have been a no go, you know, cause there's, there's really no way that I could think about training 
just training alone and then actually going on these TDYs to the different courses that, that you could do that without a support system. Like if your spouse mm-hmm. was totally against it, there's no, I don't see how mentally you can, you know, you'd be able to even do that. So, you know, that was, that was like my number one priority was make sure my wife is on board. And, uh, and so, yeah, thankfully she was, and she's been super supportive. Um, you know, now I've got a three and a half month old daughter. And so that's, you know, <laughs> that'll be a big change, you know, going forward. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely doable. It's just a little more difficult. So the, the, one of the questions that we get asked a lot from people that are cross trainees and stuff like that are, you know, when does your spouse get to join you, um, in the pipeline? Because you don't, you don't spend the two and a half years, two years, two and a half years, however long it takes you to get through the pipeline just alone. Yeah. And, and your spouse is just out there doing her thing. Uh-huh. Um, so what, what, how did that work for you? So I'll, for me, um, the way it was working at the time is once I got picked up from phase two, I got orders to move to Herbert field. And so we, we did a PCS and then everything in the pipeline was a TDY from Herbert field out to Texas and, you know, everywhere else. But, um, I know that in Texas, uh, everything's changed since I, you know, everything's changed in the past year or so, but I know that, um, it's after those, they call them the courses of initial entry, the ANS and pre-dive. Once those are complete, that's when the, uh, you know, the PTSs can start happening. People move their families down and, um, and that sort of thing. Uh, don't quote me on that, but I just know that during pre-dive, a lot of my married buddies were house hunting and they were getting ready to bring their spouses back home and, you know, be with their kids and stuff like that. Yeah, there was, there's a lot of feedback and there was a lot of turmoil, if you will, um, for the last eh, probably two years, just because they were trying to figure out the best way. Cause it used to be, you know, if you were, uh, CCT or SR, then they would PCS to Pope is what it kind of used mm-hmm. to be. And then PJs would PCS to Albuquerque and then they were kind of changing that to make it more streamlined and make it make more sense and alleviate um, like one less move that the Air Force has got to pay for. So um, I was talking to Rob Gutierrez about that and I, I don't know if that has been table slapped and it's finalized yet, but there were definitely changes going on. Yeah. All I know is that anybody that was married and was trying to figure out housing arrangements, they were getting a lot of help to do that. And things were moving to That's get them good. what they needed. Yeah. Nobody's saying, Hey, your, your wife has got to kick rocks. She's got to stay home. <laughs> they want her yeah, to be reunited. Yeah. No. And, and I think that's obviously that's good, but I, that seems like it's a, a change, a, a paradigm shift, mm-hmm. if you will, because it, it used to very much be like a, Hey, you chose to do yep. this, you know, like, like this is the life. And now it has definitely been recognized, probably because the, you know div- the divorce rate within the special operations community is so yeah. high. Not that it has to do with that in particular, but that is just one of those things oh, yeah. that you know definitely a factor is. Yeah. So, um, okay. Well, people are going to be probably frustrated with me because I'm bouncing all around, but I wanted to go from uh, ANS to pre dive. Now you are pre dive complete. You've you've done it. Um, whenever that was in the pipeline for you. But uh, what was that like for you? Man, that course, um, never want to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> that course was, uh, man, that mentally, that I, I, it was hard, you know, for sure. Um, and looking back on it, you know, you don't really remember. You remember a lot of the good things. Like I can look back and I remember I had a lot of fun with my friends, you know, we all bonded as a team really well. Um, you know, just a good time. But then I do remember the low grade anxiety that I had from every single day, like time I woke up to the time I went to bed, just straight up low grade anxiety. And you're just, God, I can't get rid of this feeling. And, um, and you go through so many, for me, I just went through so many emotional wrote like ups and downs throughout the day. Like you, know, you get past an event and you're like, Oh, thank God it's over. And you're like, Oh crap. I got buddy breathing next. And you're like, then you ramp it back up and then you get through that and you're like, okay, it's over. Um, 
but it that course uh is extremely effective at getting you where you need to be um because in the first week you know you're coming off of ams and you know my heart rate i think wasn't ever below 80 beats per minute just because your body is still dealing with that you know it just like got a shock to the system with ams like completely shocked and so your body's still trying to recover and every night you know you're sweating through your sheets because your body's just like what did you do to me um but eventually you know you're freaking people out right now <laughs> it's a physiological reaction doesn't mean that the course is terrible <laughs> it's totally doable don't worry ans is fine but talk to everybody that finishes man you're sweating through your sheets every night because your body is just like got to get back to baseline um and i remember that first week they still do all the tracking and stuff and they're like one of the uh one of the cadre, not cadre, but one of the instructors who's kind of involved with the tech side of the house, he comes up to me and he's like, Hey, you know, your, your resting heart rate is still pretty high. I'm like, Oh yeah. And then what, what do I do about that? He's like, well, just focus on sleeping more and getting better food. I was like, Oh, gotcha, dude. So nothing sweet. I'll take that. Sweet. Yeah. Still got to go do underwaters, you know? Um, but Jeez. yeah, I was like, cool. Uh, but I remember that first week, you know, especially with some of those events that are hard to train for, like buddy breathing. I was like, this is awful. How in the world am I going to do two minutes of full harassment? You know, like those graduation standards, like there's no possible way. But as time goes on, you know, every single day for four weeks, you're doing water con and eventually your body just gets better. Like you get better at doing it. Um, and everyone passed. It was crazy. Like thinking back to how everyone completed that course. And what everyone started out as, there were guys that I was looking at like, dude, I don't know, man. You're struggling on every event. And then, sure enough, they become studs by the end of it. So it, it's you just have to trust the, trust the process. You know, They told us that day one, and I didn't really believe them. But towards the end of it, I was like, wow, this is actually very effective. Yeah. I, would, I mean, it's there's a lot of science behind it. It's not just, um, you know... You're, you're going to see two parts or not you right now, but like people out there that are going through the pipeline, you're going to see, um, you're only seeing one side of it. You're only seeing what the cadre and the instructors want and need you to see. You're not seeing the back end of it on the back end. There's a lot of planning, a lot of coordination, a lot of logistics and there's science behind like, okay, here's the reason why we're doing event x instead of event y and why x is becoming before y and that kind of stuff like there is a lot of planning and, and programming that go through all of it but you're only seeing one side mm -hmm. of it and maybe you know i'm getting picked on today well you're probably not getting picked on today you're just having a bad day and you're messing up yeah. and now you're just getting more attention from from cadre members like it's not that they're picking on you yeah yeah, that's all it is. And you can tell the difference. Like A and S, you're a number. That's you're not a name. When you get to pre-dive, you actually have a name and the cadre are there to train you. And it's a huge difference. Like just a very noticeable difference from the way you interact to them, the way they uh they're treating you at when you're on the pool deck. Don't get me wrong, there still is that you know, there's the cadre that is there. They will smoke you for sure. But uh, they're more, you know, more focused on getting you ready. You know, they're, if you're struggling, they're going to work with you. You have plenty of time to work on events and it's not just a smoke session every single day. It's, it's a very good course to actually train you so you can hit those graduation standards. Oh, absolutely. They're, they're professionals. You, you kind of alluded to, um, like, try and articulate this well, but how you're going from event to event, right? Like a lot of people are looking at, okay, I've got ANS, I've got pre-dive or dive school or the, or the entire pipeline. Mm -hmm. And they're like, Oh my God, this is so overwhelming. But you kind of mentioned that you, you, you know, did one event or one pool session, however you broke it up mm -hmm. and then, okay, that's done. And now on to the next, like, how did, how did you break it up or, or, eat that proverbial elephant, you know, one bite at a time kind of thing. Yeah. And, uh, A&S is hard to do because you don't know what the next event is. All you know is that you're done with the event. You got some time to, you know, 
refuel, get, make sure your gear is good and, and wait for the next thing to start. And that's, you've got to figure out your own way to downregulate and everyone has got their own method. Um, but when you move on to pre-dive, it is a very structured course and every day is relatively the same. And so you get a feel for it. In the first few days, everyone's struggling because it's just, it's another shock to the system. You know, I don't know anybody who is leading up to going to the pipeline, spends an entire day in the pool like that. It's, it's just not, it's not natural. Nobody would really do that. Um, and you're, so your body's like, wow, I'm, I need to get used to finning every single day and then doing water con. But, um, you know, that first week you get an idea of the structure. You now you're doing your events in the morning, you're going to lunch and you have a, a good lunch break. And then you're doing your events in the afternoon. It's just training. And so when you get that idea and you understand it, you can start to compartmentalize things throughout the day. And like what I would do, the mornings are pretty simple. Um, and then, you know, you go to lunch and you have your water con in the afternoon. And that's when I would sit there and just work on visualization. I would, in my mind, go through every single event and, you know, just sit there, close my eyes and like, and just work through it all and do all the reps in my head perfectly. Then once you get into the actual water con session, you're mentally focused and you just, and we are instructors, you know, we're really good on just telling us, hey, this is one event at a time. Don't be thinking about buddy breathing when you've got your first underwater because you're just going to freak yourself out. Buddy breathing's coming. It's going to be there. Worry about that one underwater. And especially on the days where you've got more gear on, you know, it's Black Thursdays that are just extremely tough. You're just focusing on one event at a time. Like literally got done with an underwater. All right, let me breathe. Let me focus on the strokes for my next underwater. That's it. Because when you start thinking about everything else, man, that's when you, you go down that rabbit hole you can't get out of. Sorry, I'm having flashbacks from the, the anxiety from, um, from going to lunch on a Thursday, oh. knowing that we're going to the pool for a black oh. Thursday. Like that is. Dude, there. Oh boy. Yeah, we had some days. We had a kind of a scheduling conflict, not really conflict, but we had one week. It was really weird. And it was our last Black Thursday. And we went into that day not thinking we were doing a Black Thursday because of the way that the week had gone. And so, which I think was a blessing in disguise because I didn't have any anxiety the night before. I just went to bed and I was like, oh, tomorrow's going to be a normal training day. And then, you know, we show up. And they're like, oh, yeah, full full uniform today, you know, full everything. And everyone was just like, oh, God, like your heart just sinks down into your stomach. <laughs> yeah, you just, I remember just sitting there, lunch, you don't hardly eat anything. I'm trying to nibble on a PB&J and some little fruit snacks. And, and I'm just like, everyone's zoned out. No one's really talking. <laughs> you can just. No, no uh, one talks. You could drop a pencil in the room and you'd hear it because everyone's just like. Oh God, this is going to be awful. What are we about to go do? But Hey, made it through. Not fun, but made it through. Yeah. It's so, yeah, I, I never ate much, um, you know, cause a lot of our pool sessions are, are in the afternoon. Uh-huh. So I never ate much either for lunch until afterwards, just cause I didn't want a, a full, you know, belly going oh, through, yeah. but hey, so, yeah. yeah, best way to get a six pack and go through pre-dive. You're going to shed some weight, <laughs> not eating hardly anything. Like you eat a little bit of breakfast, a little bit of lunch and you gorge on dinner. And that, that was the, the standard diet of a pre-dive cone. Yeah. Did. So with that kind of diet, which is obviously not ideal for the, for the level of exertion that you're having, did you notice any, any kind of fatigue or drop in, um, dropping numbers just because you're not fueling properly? Uh, honestly, no, it was kind of surprising. Um, I would say like you lose, at least for me, I lost some of my external things like lifting. My numbers went down running. I was not as fast, but in the water, you just get so good at it to where you're, you don't need a ton, you know, like, yeah, you're burning a lot throughout the day, but at least for me and some of my buddies, who didn't, who, you know, we all pretty much ate the same, didn't really notice too much of an effect, you know, as long as at the end of the day, that's, you know, you get back to your dorm room and you consume 2000 calories of food, you know, some way, shape or form, you're getting in those, you know, chocolate milk, you know, you know, 
big old oh, yeah. meals, like awful snacks. I remember we had a we had a dorm inspection, and I had just gone to Sam's Club <laughs> right before pre dive, and I had all the snacks you could think about in my room, and I had three cadre in my room, and they were just making fun of me. They're like. <laughs> like what fatty lives in this room and i'm like oh who you starting that's me and they're like what in the world i had oreos and all this just terrible food but you're like i need the calories you know yeah. easy calories you just gotta gotta get them down not recommended yeah. it's uh but for that little four weeks in time it was it was fine yeah not recommended when you're at my point in <laughs> yeah. life but Definitely, re- definitely recommended when you're, you know, going through pre-dive with a pipeline. Yeah. yeah, we we said it before. We used to um, come back and order Papa John's, and you know, each each of us would destroy a large Papa John's, which is enormous. Like that is a lot. But we just, you know, going through induct, we just needed the calories, and and it was yeah, take advantage of it because we're not doing it at lunch. It's the one time in your life where you can get away with eating whatever you want with no repercussions. It just it fuel becomes like it's just fire. That's all. Like the food you you eat is just a yeah. Fire. You have to. <laughs> Great. I I can see it right now, Cadre coming into your room. Oh my God! Who? <laughs> it was hilarious. Yeah. As they're just tossing oh, your room. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, how um? So as we're, as we're kind of talking about like coping mechanisms and stuff like that, like did you get a chance um to to talk to your wife much during during the pipeline, or at least during some of those you know your your A and S your your um, pre dive or yeah. anything? Um, obviously A and S no because you know you're in a field environment, no phones or anything, which I think is best. Um, but pre-dive, it was, like I said, same schedule every day for four weeks. So, you know, got, got back to my room and I had a routine of going to get some dinner with my buddies, come back, talk to my wife for about an hour. Then I'd go to bed, you know, trying, and you get, like, I got at least eight hours of sleep every night during pre-dive, which is great. Probably, honestly, especially after having a kid, probably the best sleep I've had all, you know, you know, for a very long time was during pre-dive. Like at least eight hours. Uh, let's make sure your wife doesn't watch <laughs> no. that. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Turns out being TDY is a little bit easier. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're not yeah. wrong. Well, um, did the, you obviously like looking at you right now, and I know that people can't see you because I've got you blocked out, but uh, you got impeccable hair. So, you're not going to go be a PJ, but what do you use on your hair? Yeah, I use out of regs. Yeah. Out of regs? Yeah. No way. Out of regs. Uh, yeah. Well, owned by a, uh, a stow, if, if people weren't tracking that, out of regs. Uh, great pomade. I think, I, I think it's the tree kicker I use. Is that the right, is that the right set? Yeah. I know it's the pomade yeah. that, uh, I don't know. And you, you're looking like you're using the sea salt oh, yeah. spray, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. I've, you know, the sea salt spray was something I recently got into, and I've been using that every day. You know, use it with a little bit of pomade, and good to go. Uh, I think I, I use a <laughs> pipe or pomade and the sea salt spray. Yeah, it's my favorite stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, for everybody out there, check them out. Adorex pomade. They do spray. They do pomades. They've got different scents within it. They've got stuff for your beard. They've got stuff for tattoos. Uh, and then they've got some other merch. So definitely go check them out. And again, veteran owned company, current, current stow or special tactics officer that, that owns the company. So, uh, it's great. We like helping out our friends because our friends help us out as well. Uh, and then we also have a promo code. One's ready, get you a discount. And then, you know, you're supporting them and supporting us. Uh, and really, it's a shame that Trent and uh, Trent and Aaron on on here because they're the ones that are really repping oh, yeah. it. They um, love that stuff. You know, I'm not. Yeah. Oh yeah. They. I mean, they're they're mainline. Uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, you know, I everybody thinks that I'm wearing a hat just because I don't have the hair. Now I definitely don't have hair like Trent and Aaron, but uh, it's one of those things where I wake up early in the morning. It's like. It's just easier to throw a hat on, but I was in mess dress last night, repping the sea salt oh, spray. Nice. So, got yeah. that. But again, check it out, and it's uh, out of regs with an S 
So outerregspalmade.com, promo code and one's ready. And then we'll get off of the uh, hair because everybody likes to make fun of PJs for, for their the hair because they have terrible <laughs> hair. <laughs> um, I like I like the verb that you used, and I, I had actually hadn't heard that downregulate when you start talking about your anxiety level and your your mm. heart rate. Um, and and so your method was just breathing techniques, huh? Yeah, you know, um, it kind of changed. Uh, depending on what was going on, um, during A and S, my coping mechanism, I guess we'll call it, you know, down regulation was just to sit back on my ruck and I would just like close my eyes and breathe for a little while, you know, do the box breathing. You know, there's plenty of methods out there, you know, breathe four seconds in, hold for four, out for four, that sort of thing. I would do that sometimes, uh, you know, sit up against a wall with my legs, you know, up on the wall, trying to get, you know, some of that blood flow to come back down into my core. Those that, that helped a lot, but a lot of it was just trying to find my own mental space where I can remove myself from the situation, you know, for at least a few seconds, you know, if I can close my eyes and just get a few seconds where I'm not at ANS anymore, then it really helped out. Um, and I, I find that talking to other people, having a core group of guys that you can go and joke with was also extremely helpful. And that kind of got me through. Um, and then, of course, going into pre-dive course that you already know what's coming. So if you can just sit there and visualize it and work through every every single movement in your head, that for me, that helped a lot. Yeah, I, I think that's important because you got to get your, you know, it, it is controlling that anxiety. And and I, I think going through the pipeline or at least, you know, especially ANS, especially pre-dive and dive school, like you're going to always, you're almost going to have a baseline of anxiety, a baseline of shit. What's, mm -hmm. what's next? Or, you know, I got this, I know the event that I have coming up. Um, so I think that's important to be able, cause you, you can't stay in the red, you know, you can't be a race car in the red the entire time. You've got to be able to like, okay, we're going to the vent, going to the vent. And now I got to drop my RPM down just for, to main to be able to maintain and then perform for the next yeah. event. Um, that, I think if you're too nonchalant, then you know things aren't going to go well. Like if you're just kind of half-heartedly, you know, showing up and doing it, you're that's probably when you're going to have those little mistakes you make. I mean, I know, like with jumping, for instance, when I when I jump, I would have a low grade of anxiety. You know, when the ramp opens up, you're like, oh, this is for real. We're jumping out of the plane, and you know, you've got it. But that for me was a lock on sort of thing. Like, all right, let me make sure everything's good to go. And I noticed, you know, like on days where we do multiple jumps, um, I would uh, eventually my anxiety would start to go down. And that's when I would mess up little things. You know, my exit was bad or something. And I could easily attribute that to the fact that I was way too nonchalant. And so you need that little bit of anxiety. Yeah. But as long as you can control it and not be enslaved to it, I think it's really helpful. No, absolutely. A, a little bit of anxiety uh, keeps you sharp. Mm -hmm. If you, if you're, I mean, it's it's that whole um, getting too comfortable. There, golly, there's a c word, uh, yeah. complacency. Complacent. There you yeah. go. <laughs> it's, it's, like that is a real thing. Complacency kills. Um, and if if that ramp is opening, whether it's day night, and you're not feeling some sort of way, like you you need to. Um, probably find something else to do or maybe not jump because man, if you are just that comfortable, that's when things kind of can go bad. Not for sure. Um, foot care. Like we get, we get a foot care question a lot. Did you, okay. So foot care maintenance, uh, during the pipeline, did you have people taking care of that? Did you have people training you how to look after your feet or, or how did you go about yeah, doing they, that? They do a good job of prepping you. Um, and giving you the supplies you need during, especially during ANS, um, which is obviously, you know, very, very rough on your feet. They give you the tools that you need to make sure you're taking care of your hot spots. And um, I would do things, you know, in preparation, like uh, walk around barefoot, try and get outside barefoot and roughen up the, the bottoms of my feet. And spend a lot of time in the boots that I was going to wear for ANS, actually training in those, you know, 
the worst thing you could do is buy a new pair of boots the weekend before ANS starts and people do it. And I do not understand, you know, everyone thinks that, Oh, this one pair of boots is going to get me through. Like I need to the newest, shiniest boot at the, at the boot store. Like that's what I'm going to get. And that's going to make me successful in ANS. It's like, no, no, you need the pair of boots that you've been rucking on for a year to get, you know, you need to be wearing those because it's already molded to your feet. And, that I think is huge, you know, making sure that they're, they're on, they're tied up properly. You know, like you can't just slip them on and, and be good to go. You need to make sure that they're adjusted properly to your feet, allow for your feet to swell. Um, and, and then take care of those hot spots. Like I, I know where my hot spots are. So, um, if I knew we had a long movement coming up, I would tape up those hot spots. That, that way you just have a little bit more protection. And, and honestly, I, I can't remember having any real foot problems going through ANS. Just because I, you know, yeah. I took care of that. I you know, made sure that I was a step ahead of it. Yeah, I, I didn't have any foot problems either. But, man, I saw some horrendous, like, just the entire bottom of their foot, just a big blister. And, I like, it's – and it puts them out of commission. Like, they can't, oh, yeah. they can't go. Like, as soon as they stop, they're fine if they continue to move. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they're hobbling along and they're stuff like that. But as soon as they stop and take their boot off to check out the size of the blister, oh. like, they're done. Because now the boot's off. It's like you just. Yeah, then that thing can get infected Ooh. and then there's nothing they can do. They got to pull you from the course. And that's, that's not what you want to go yeah. out for. No. No, no. But you definitely got to take care. Of it. And and I'm, I'm with you. Like I, you got to get the boots off. And let your uh-huh. your feet air out. You got to yep. change your socks appropriately. You got to you got. It's not a whole bunch of maintenance, but if you just do a little bit of maintenance as mm-hmm. you're going, you you should be fine. What? Um, because I I already know somebody's gonna say, "Hey, how come you didn't ask this? What boots did you did you happen to um, use?" I, I don't remember the they're garments. Um, I don't remember the name of them. They're they're the standard garment boot that almost everybody's wearing. It's it's uh they're like fast boot or something like that and people are going to probably comment on this video and be like guys he doesn't know what he's talking about but it's some garment sfb no that's a nike sfb some garment fast boot or something like that it's it's a you know a lighter boot but it's got good heel support good open toe box um and then the uh the laces on the top are wide so that they're not pinching down on the top of your foot so you can have some room to really let your feet kind of breathe and you know uh expand throughout the day but they're 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 tan tan, though they're standard you know standard military boots man i'm i I, like as you're doing that i hopped on us patriot just to uh see what kind of garment boots there are and there's there's a lot but i don't see any fast boots but that's that's okay at least people know that that's what you use and that's what garment t8 nfs that that's the name of them Oh, okay. Um, good boots. Yeah. I, I like those, but I, I actually did go and try out a bunch of different ones, you know, and, uh, a lot of guys, you know, there are certain boots that you see a lot of guys wearing and some of them just don't work out for you. So you really got to try, try them out. I, you know, if you can get to a place where you can actually put them on your feet and try that, that'd be good. Um, and then whatever you're going to use, make sure you're actually wearing it for a little while, you know, at least through SWIC or, you know, as yep. you're prepping up for A&S. And that same thing goes for running shoes too. You don't want to pop on brand new running shoes that you've never worn before. And then all of a sudden you're going to put some miles mm-hmm. underneath them. So don't do no. that either. But yeah, for me, I was using, and this was when our boots were black, but um, I was running around the pipeline and baits. Oh I yeah. Those things. They were, they were the ones that mm-hmm. uh, were big. Uh, I think they were issued them at buds as well. So like those worked out really yeah. well for me. But okay, well, uh, we're we're quickly approaching an hour here, and the one thing that I want to do, especially with you, because you have a very unique perspective. But what advice would you give to um, people that are either cross training, you know, haven't experienced the pipeline, or even new recruits that are about to, you know, they're in development or they're about to go into the Air Force, hit SWIC, and then roll right into ANS? Yeah. Um- 
the biggest thing I can give you as advice is uh, don't try and game the system. You know, like one of the things that I saw with pretty much everybody, and it's easy to get sucked into it, is you start talking about ANS before it starts. You know, you got like a little bit of time prior to it starting. And you've got the Cohen rumor mill. Everyone talks about things. You got guys that quit that come back and tell you how terrible it is and what event they quit on. And so guys start talking about things and you start saying, Oh, on day one, we do this on day five, we do this. And then at one point in the course, we do this. And Everyone tries to game the system and figure out what's going to happen. I really just recommend staying away from that, man. Cause I saw it happening with our group. Like we had guys that were just started talking about it and you could see on everyone's face that they just started getting scared. Like guys were telling their war stories who had gone through previously. And, um, and these guys who hadn't been through were just, you could see the look of fright on their face because they're like, what are we going to do? And it's just so much easier to show up and not know what's going to happen. Cause you've already physically prepared, like assuming that you've done the right things to get ready. You don't need to know what happens on day one. All you got to worry about is what the Warno says. Show up at zero, you know, whatever in the morning and get ready to go. Like you're probably going to have a bag drag and you're probably going to get started with training. And that's all you got to worry about. Because if I was to sit here and tell you everything that you're going to do in ANS, just that course, you would probably not even apply. You'd be like, there's no possible way. And even going through the course, when we were told to do something, you're thinking there's no possible way. Like, how in the we just got done with an event and you're telling me I got to do this event next, but you can do it. Like everybody did it. And you know, there's nothing extremely special about it. It's just do what you're told and it's there for a reason. And you don't have to worry about the next thing coming up. And you know, everyone that tries to game the system and eventually gets bit by it. You know, I had one guy who kept asking me, you know, cause I've gone through a, you know, a certain, I've gotten up to a certain point before I got pulled previously. And I had a guy who knew about that and he was asking me day one, Hey, what are we doing next? What are we doing next? And I'd be like, Hey man, don't worry about it. You know, I don't know what we're doing next. And then he quit like that first night. He just quit. And you're like that, all that worry and anxiety didn't do you any good. You just got way into your head. So nope. don't game it. Just show up ready to train. It's not that bad. It's, it's a good course. It's what you want. It's as hard as you want it to be for a selection course, but it's it's not worth giving it any more time of day than what it needs to be. Yeah. I, I mean, you said it perfectly. I mean, really, people do get inside their head. And if you, if you really didn't know everything that was happening, there's oh. no way you'd come in. There's no way you're like, Dude, I'm not putting myself through that. That's crazy. And that's impossible. You couldn't yeah. possibly do that. And, and, uh, so I, I've said this before because I was, I was guilty of this when I came through, uh, Indoc was I was looking at the person next to me and, and going like, okay, well, they're either a cross trainee or they're just a physical specimen more than not me. Cause I've never been a physical specimen. And some of these folks are the ones that were crushing the past test of IFT and their, their numbers were phenomenal. But as soon as the, the pressure started being applied to them, that's when they would crumble. But I, here I am comparing myself to them. So if, if somebody is out there that is going back to their shop or back to their friends that happened to quit or, or got pulled and said how terrible it is, that should, still should not discourage somebody from coming in because just because they felt that way doesn't mean that you will feel that way. Like everybody's different. Everybody has a different breaking point or different struggles mm-hmm. within the pipeline. Except for Black Thursday. I don't think there's anybody that doesn't no. struggle on that. Not day. at all. But yeah, that's right. <laughs> the, the one event I told you earlier that was really hard for me, someone could have been like, that wasn't that bad. you know. And then their event could have been something I think wasn't that bad. And the minute you start just really focusing on what, especially if someone quits and you're taking what they say as the truth, that's it's just not good. Not good practice. Yeah. Yeah, like I mean, the one that a lot of people focus on is is the buddy oh, yeah. breathing part, and I mean, it, by no means was it easy or my like, hey, this is my favorite thing to do. But I never buddy breathing was never my mm-hmm. struggle, right? I would just kind of dead fish it and and just uh-huh. work through it, right? Um, still sucked, but that wasn't my my mm-hmm. issue. 
my issue were 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 many <laughs> yeah. other things. Yeah. Everyone's got <laughs> something. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nobody goes through that course as like, oh, well, I don't see what yeah. the big deal was. No, not at all. <laughs> awesome. Well, I appreciate you joining us. Um like I said, uh, it was, it's been a pleasure having you on and I can continue to talk about the rest of the pipeline or, you know, just your arrival on team um, for, for another hour easily. But definitely appreciate you joining us and thanks for your time because I know you, that you're, uh, you're extremely busy. So, um, yeah. again, appreciate it. And then for everybody that's out there, um, thanks for Thanks for joining us. Please like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, leave us a review because we actually like reading those reviews, especially if they're really funny and picking on, you know, my lack of hair or how good Aaron and Trent's hair is. So appreciate it. All right. Thank we'll you. see you next time. Later.